Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the foothills of the beautiful Rocky Mountains, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be. You're listening to the Knights of Awakening online radio program brought to you by the Knights of Awakening. I'm your host, Justin Gates. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you virtually, hear, hear from you. I don't see a lot of people these days, uh, only when I'm going out and working. But uh, uh, I do talk to these two folks a lot. You guys know them. Uh, Allie and Charles. Hey, guys. Hey, Justin. Yo, we are here. So we're going to do uh, a, a two-segment show today. Um, the first segment, we're going we're gonna to talk about this, uh, this, this Internet video that most of you have probably at least heard of. Um, many of us have seen it. It's called Plandemic. Isn't that what it's called, Allie, Plandemic? Plandemic. At Plandemic. It's a small snippet of Plandemic. Okay, so that's a whole big – okay, so, 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 yeah, and that's why I have you here because – I've only seen like the 26 minutes version of that uh, uh, featuring um, Dr. Judy Mik- Mikovits. Mikovits? How do I say that? Mikovits? Mikovits. Okay. Um, and it's an interesting, I mean, it's, of course, timely with all this stuff uh, because she has, she, her, her and the narrator speak, you know, directly to the state of affairs on a lot of this stuff. But, but we want to talk about that because uh, there's a lot of, I'm going to use air quotes here because you guys can't see me, uh, information around all this stuff. And we're going to do our best to try to get through some of it. So uh, I'll take us away, Allie. (laughs) All right. So hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Allie. I used to run Let's Regroup, Building Stronger Citizens, and a couple of other little random things like forced realists here on KOA. don't already know who I am. Uh, I've kind of retired. Let's regroup, and I'm gonna. We're gonna. Any topic I come up with, we're gonna roll it into Nights of Awakening, and this was one I wanted to address. So last week, I get somebody sending me a video for it, and at first, I went to that person. I said, "Did you really send me this video, or are you, are you like, um, what's the word? Did you get hacked?" Because I didn't know what it was at the time, and it was like, you should really watch this, and it looked like somebody had gotten a virus on their Facebook thing. It turns out, no, that's that's not what it was. The person was legitimately sharing it with me, and they're like, wow, this is really interesting information. So I go and I watch it, and I find out that this has been taken down on YouTube. Uh, when I went to the website itself, they were like, hey, you can download it from here, but it might be taken down. I clicked on the link, it went to Vimeo, and Vimeo had taken it down. Eventually, it got taken down on Facebook, and now it's up on the, their website. So, the oh, and, and somebody else mentioned that it can also be found on YouTube. I don't know where. But this video has a lot of information that 
is being considered fake news. And if I'm being completely honest, a lot of it is. People will look at a video and they'll say, oh, it's really good quality production. Somebody took time to do this and they had money to put into it. It must be real. Sorry, guys. Sorry. That's not how it works. You're awakening the night within, right? That means being objective and actually looking at the facts. So I take this this film to my two co-hosts here, Charles and Justin. I said, we need to do something on this. Let's Let's watch it. Let's come up with some questions, and let's go from there. So I came up with a list of questions, and that's what we're going to go over. So there's my long intro. Oh, we're only about eight minutes in. So the, the first one is, what do we know about the main, pers- the main interviewee, Judy Mikovits? So I, one of the reasons that I wanted to go over this show is because none of us are experts. But I want you to know that you can easily find information if you just look for it. That's what we do here. So Judy Mikovits. Before I go into what I learned about her, I want to ask my two guys over here, what did you learn about her, if anything? Can I? Yes, yes. Okay, so here, here's the skinny guys. I've been busy because I'm a home business, and we don't do a lot of shipping. We do a lot of what we consider virtual goods, I guess, uh, services. So I have not had time to do any research. So I crammed in the past three minutes. Okay, and this is going to be the point. That, this is going to be the point that I proved. Okay, and this is why I want to go first. I'm proving a point. So I searched for the name of the video, and then I searched for facts and falsehoods, and I got brought to a web page called Fact Check. Funny note: there's about 20 different web pages out there, like this, Snopes, Fact Check, and then you can follow their sources back on everything they state. Uh, because if you can't then somebody will show up and throw a fit with them. It's really neat. And I can tell you that she's been in a number of court cases that she's lost. I can tell you that she's made a number of allegations that she's been sued for. (laughs) That generally speaking, she's very well known in the community as someone who loses their fight legally. Um, Now, this could just be that, you know, it's a big government conspiracy. And because, you know, Everybody's all in it together and greasing each other's palms of folding grease, and they just don't like her and want to keep her shut up. That every single judge and Supreme Court judge which hears on these things is in on it. Or, and more likely, it could be someone who, it could be that she is someone who gets a following by making gross accusations that she has absolutely uh, no proof or minimal evidence for, meaning in the same way that. Yes, I can make the assertion that solar power should be a great replacement for all other forms of energy because the sun rises in the morning. Um, the two things are related, but they're not sufficient to, to make an assertion. That's what I could find after literally cramming for the period of time that it took Justin to say, thank you for joining us, and Allie to go, and I'm going to call on my guys and need to start squeaking like a monkey. But it does show you how easy it is to find out that much information on her. And, like, just scanning through, it's, like, false, false, false. It's, like, there's 
I mean, I'm sure she said something true at some point. Like, she got her name right, for sure. But <laughs> that's a whole huge, like, they've got three, four, five. Is it, I could put this in a print mode and tell you exactly how many pages. At least five pages, maybe up to ten of text that basically is like, she said this, which was not proven. And then she said this, which was not proven. And then she said this of which multiple experts disagreed. And then she said this, which a Supreme Court judge ruled was invalid. Like, I kid you not, it's, it's, it's impressive. It's kind of depressing, but it's there. And it literally took me less time to find it than it did for me to explain to you how I found it and what I found. Take it away, I'm good. Yep. All right, Jeff. Yes. What about you? So, so I, I, I'll, I learned a few things. I mean, she's she's definitely famous or infamous, from what I understand, um, regarding vaccinations and things like that. Um, from what I understand, she seems to be more. Uh, she lean, seems to lean towards, um, not vac, not not supporting some of the vaccines or a lot of the vaccines. I, I think there was some that she supported and I don't know which ones they were, but that was kind of the general gist that I got that she, she probably became famous or infamous uh, and, and got a lot of attention for that first and foremost. Um, I, she's, she's done a lot of research papers and of course I've seen the lawsuits and things that Charles talked about, but uh, she seems to have written a lot of papers. I mean, and for 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 a, a layman, she's well spoken and she seems intelligent. But it's really hard to tell with all this disinformation out there. It, it's and I will probably get into this because it's literally what we're talking about. But even looking up somebody, you got so many, so many for and so many against. It's like, geez, everywhere I look now, it's like this person versus this person, and it's really hard to get straight answers because. You know, there's just so much, there's just so much muckety muck. It's hard, but you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, make a judgment against her at this point because I don't, you know, I mean, to me, it's just like, yeah, is it a conspiracy? Well, lots of things are seem like they're conspiracies. And some of them never are proven or disproven, but uh, she seems to have a lot of things going against her, um, as Charles said, in 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 her own field, and you know. Uh, a rational person might say, uh, well, if you have that many people against you all the time, it, it, it seems to be less of a, less of a, of a conspiracy at that point for me. Yeah. So what I found was uh, she was jailed for a few days before she managed to, um, before she got out of that, whether or not she was threatened or she perceived, as in was it a real threat or was it just a perception, I honestly couldn't tell you. A lot of people will put things in their heads and they'll misunderstand something and, and, yeah, just run with it. As for how long she was jailed, I'm curious about this one, Justin, because this kind of falls into your expertise. How long can you uh, – is it possible for you to be jailed for a few days 
because you didn't make bail even if you're not guilty. Uh, yeah, you could be held for at least 72 hours in most cases if you're suspected of a crime. Um, and a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll charge you with – this is going to make me sound like I'm talking about other conspiracy, but this is how it works. This is the way it is. Uh, sometimes they'll charge you with a lesser crime, like a lesser misdemeanor, like uh, disturbing the peace or something just to hold you for a little bit if, they, if, if they're trying to investigate uh, some, some bigger issues and then those smaller charges are dropped. Sometimes once they find, but yeah, I mean, you could be held for say two hours, uh, just, just, just on detention. Most times you don't though. I mean, I, I, I've never, I, I personally haven't seen anybody held longer than a day or two for, you know, to, but, but they were being investigated for like really serious things like murder and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, every jurisdiction is different. Every state, every County has, you know, a little differences in their, in the way way they do law but 72 hours is is typically the you know the baseline where you can hold somebody for an investigation so i don't remember how many days it was that she was she was held but she was in jail for a a few days actually i want to say it was four or six which seems excessive to me but i also don't know all the details behind it i know that she was suspected of stealing information from a lab and that's why they went into her home without a quote-unquote warrant, though I have suspicions on what that means, too. Uh, you know, people look at the Patriot Act, and they think that that means you can't have a or you don't need a warrant at all, when in reality, the, the case is, at the very least, it has to be signed for many circumstances, unless you have real reasonable cause to believe that there's something going on in there. Yeah. And most, and most departments and most, most jurisdictions just to avoid liability issues will get warrants anyway. You know, I mean, it's a lot of that, a lot of that misunderstanding. It's it it granted new emergency powers, you know, uh, during the Patriot Act and business as usual for most, most of the time. I mean, it just seems odd to me that, that you would have, I, I, I've just never personally seen a department that's willing to risk so much liability just to go and tear somebody's house up for, you know, some information. I mean, it, it just makes it, it makes it sound like a really good story and something I'd probably read and watch on TV, but it just doesn't. It, it starts to not pass the smell test once you get a little deeper into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So. It kind of sounds like to me one of those. It kind of sounds to me like one of those situations that uh, you see in the movie trailers, where it's like in a world in chaos and turmoil. <laughs> it, it sounds great, and then you realize when they say based on a true story, what they mean of the names of the people they lived at some point. My take, just from what I've seen of that, but yeah, pretty much. So, and and that's really where we are with her on this one. There's a lot of information that we really don't have about what what she's saying, but from all accounts, it really does look like she's exaggerating a lot of it. So, I really can't take her at her word about what happened. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that fear, especially if you're not used to going to jail, but... At some point, it's a little excessive, and I have to wonder if she 
mm, exaggerated the points to make this more what she has to say. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I mean, some of it, it's the discount that some people do get screwed and arrested illegally. And, I mean, you know, those abuses of civil rights happen every day to lots of different kinds of people. But it's usually way less fantastic than than what they're making it out to be here. I mean, um, so you stole some information from a lab. I mean, we've had people do a lot worse and not even get arrested. So it's just really hard for me to, you know, it's hard for me to to buy in all the way. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to question her intention. I'm not going to question her, her reasoning um, beyond, like you said, she, she thinks this is important. She believes it's, you know, it needs to be said. It's hard to, it's hard to get people to listen if you, if it's not fantastical. And and you know what a lot a lot of it a lot of it uh, surrounding her it seemed to be tailored to to elicit some kind of emotional reaction too because when I first watched it I was like well this is bullshit <laughs> but then I was like hey wait a minute wait a minute you, you, you got to slow down and and actually look at what's being said and yeah so agreed so the next part the next point was Dr. Fauci. Now Dr. Fauci is currently in charge of the um the COVID response team. Or he was. Uh, I don't know. I think that they broke them down smaller, so I don't know if he'd still technically be considered in charge of the whole team or if it's just a small group of them. I, I didn't get that far into looking at it, but Dr. Fauci is big in the response team that we have at, at the federal level. Uh, she mentioned that he has connections to the Wuhan lab and that he shouldn't be allowed to be on the task force because of it. Now, I'll admit I didn't go looking to find out uh, whether or not he did have connections to the Wuhan lab. If one of you guys happen to know, let me know. I focus on the other questions that I had in here. I did uh, I, I did find something where, where even he admittedly, he is connected to the lab in that he gave them research dollars because they were doing tests connected to COVID, novel, novel COVID, that wasn't lawfully allowed to be done here in the states or in in uh you know surrounding countries they so in other words he he was he was helping them finance funding or he was funding them to do research and this is a claim he was doing research uh that that wasn't allowed to be done here now that sounds really nefarious too like were they cutting people's heads off and injecting them with you know i don't know i i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean i mean that this kind of makes it sound even more uh, uh bad but um, I I did read something and I wish I had linked it. I'll, while you're talking, I'll try to find it and I'll link people to it in the chat. But um, that's what I see when I went when I looked for that was that yeah he did as part of the foundation that that he runs. Um, so they were trying to do research or experiments with it that can be done here for whatever reason. Um, but they were allowed to do them in China, of course, because you can pretty much do anything there, I guess. But that's what I found on that. So, 
I, I have mixed feelings on that. If he has the, if he has connections to the Wuhan lab that were prior to all of this coming down, um, I feel it's a very strong gray area. There is a bit of a conflict of interest there. And maybe he should have stepped down and been like, okay, yeah, I'm too close to this. I shouldn't be doing anything. I shouldn't have anything to do with this. She said that uh, Judy was saying she just wanted him to be honest about whether or not he was on or he had anything to do with Wuhan lab, which, I mean, it looks like he is being honest. Sorry, Judy, you can, you can cross that part off your list as being something. He's not lying about it. Uh, But, yeah, there's a gray area there. If he's the best person for the job and there's no one better, I don't have a problem with him being the person on the task force. I don't know. I've got mixed feelings on that one. What do you you think, Charles? So I did a little research in the time it took you to ask Justin the question. Justin, this is the sad part about how quickly you can get the info. So the big thing is that the 3.7 million went from the National Institute of Health here in the U.S. to Wuhan Lab, which is misleading, according at least to fact check. Okay, so right now I'm pulling from fact check uh, file here. Um, it did go in. It did go into a program for to examine the risk of future coronavirus emergence from wildlife using in-depth field investigations across the human wildlife interface in China, um, and the particular risk posed by bats. According to the 2014 description, that would be the connection of that money. 600000 from the first grant was given to Wuhan Institute. Um, that's a very loose connection, but I think we should really look at the bigger elephant in the room here. And I think that, I think we can pin this entire thing on Justin. You see, it is my understanding that Justin has connections to the Umbrella Corporation. Um, I have it on good authority that he was seen interacting with the Umbrella Corporation. Um, we have some live video of his interactions. I believe that we can find or at least virtual uh, live video of virtual interactions of him interacting with the Umbrella Corporation. We all know how they uh, spread the zombie outbreak. That's about that's about as strong as this connection is. It's like me saying this is Justin's fault because he played Resident Evil. I'm sorry, <laughs> the level of connection is about that complete. And at that point, it's called starting a fire to create smoke. It's called pointing. It's actually it's called pointing at smoke and saying there's a forest fire. If you have a chimney and someone points and goes, "Oh my God, we need the fire department over there because I see smoke." Well, the first thing the fire department says is, where do you see the smoke at? And how much is there? And if you say, well, there's a, a tremendous amount of smoke, they send fire trucks over to your house looking for the fire from your chimney because someone made the report because we are a reactive society. And it's good that we're reactive because if we overreact, we can always scale back, okay? You can always scale back from we sent 30 fire trucks. Like, well, not this city doesn't have 30 fire trucks, that's for sure. We sent two fire trucks two ambulances and, and, and six police cars. We can always scale that down to one officer going up to the person who made the call and going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> we can always scale it back to that one guy going, look, I got to take a statement. I got to see what's going on. 
so yeah, we're it's good that we react as the people to this kind of thing that we want to look at it, that we get kind of up. But the problem is the next phase of that has to be then scaling back. And when you scale it back, what you see is that you're looking at government funding with very, very tenuous connection. So tenuous that it could easily be said he had no real connection directly to it. In the, at least no more so than you or I did because we paid taxes and the U.S. government granted money through those taxes. I mean, you know, that, that's the level of connection nearly. Not quite that disconnected. To be fair, I am exaggerating to prove a point as to how exaggeration can manipulate data. But the difference is I, I look you in the eye, do it, and then wink. Um, but it's not that far from that level of a connection. It's not far enough looking at the information, where the money went, what it was used for, the fact that it was earmarked before it was sent. Oh, it, it's just, she, 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 she does what I call it the classic numbers game. The classic numbers game is you take a number that is related to the data, not correct in association with it, and you misuse the number. So like right now, as I say this, I'm going to fill the airtime for about a half second um, so that I can pull up my COVID stats, okay? It'd be like right now, if I pulled up the numbers and I said, guys, this is America we're talking about. We've got to deal with this. This is 4,593,000 cases. Well, that's misleading. That's, that's how many cases are on the planet. That's misleading. But if I start with the words, this is America, and it's four million, four and a half million cases and approaching five. Well, I don't have to use the number. And that's me being a very honest man. I'm not lying when I do it that way because I'm too honest. I don't like lying. So I'm being really honest in the way I did it. Um, but you see this in memes. You see this in information. You see this in videos where they go, they go 4.5 million cases in the U.S. And it's like, no, 4.5 million cases in the world um, there's a there's a, a really really big difference and, and that's total cases with resolved a uh, in either death or or recovery that's not active cases active is only 2.5 million right now which means two million cases have resolved in in something at least so that's my point you grab a number you throw it on me you throw it in a video well that's what she did she grabbed the number. 3.7 million. That way, when someone looks on these grants, on these funds, they go, 3.7 million. I've seen the number. She must be telling the truth because they don't read the article. They look for 3.7 million. They hit the search button on the browser, and they go, she's telling the truth because numbers. And it's a misleading tactic. It's mm. dirty. It's underhanded. It's disreputable. And it immediately, in my mind, makes me question the validity of anything a person has to say after that. Like I said, I'm so honest that even trying to imitate her, I'm there doing it, um, doing it what I call the stage magician way, by not like, letting you actually see me be wrong. Like by saying 4.5 million, you know, this is the United States we're talking about people, we got to do something. And never saying that it's in the U.S. Um, because it's not worldwide and 2 million of those are resolved. But that's, that's my point. That's that stage magician that she's using and she's doing it all level that as an honest man i have a hard time even mimicking and i guess that's my point someone who isn't at least as honest as i am and would have trouble 
doing it that way and just takes the number and goes, yeah, people will look for the article and they'll go, yeah, numbers. So that's yeah. my point. Yeah, numbers. Yeah. So I posted that link uh, in the chat room. Uh, it's, it's to a New York Post article that references a Newsweek article um, that says, yeah, we, we funded them, but we were trying to find the ocean of it. Uh, and that, uh, quote, most emerging human viruses come from wildlife, and these represent a significant threat to public health and biosecurity in the U.S. and globally, unquote. Uh, that's why they sent the money, you know, and, and, and they weren't denying it. They're like, yeah, we, we, they're looking for the ocean of it. And, you know, uh, like Charles, I, I have to think that, that you know, they're, they're – at least trying to be honest, if they're if they're admitting to it, and that and that they also said they pulled funding once this outbreak became global, they pulled the funding because it didn't currently meet with their with their goals. So, you know, I don't know how that makes him uh, like Doctor Evil. You know, he's <laughs> we're gonna put freaking lasers on freaking sharks. Zap people. We're not just going to put lasers on sharks, Justin. We're going to put lasers with numbers. Lasers with numbers. Can they still be on sharks? On sharks. Lasers there we go. with numbers on sharks. And you know what the worst part is? I say that, right? And I'm sure that somewhere they use lasers to find the position of sharks in the water and they number them in some kind of study somewhere. And someone's going to search lasers or numbers on sharks and find a study and go, wow, Charles was telling the truth. They've got lasers with numbers on sharks. Oh. Mm, yeah. Okay. I'm still going to go with that. That's a real gray area. That one's a give or take. I could go either way on it. So I mean, so so, so let's uh, just just let me give you one point and something to think about. Um, he runs this organization, and, and you know what? I'm just a little skeptical of anybody who represents the government. You guys know me. You two know me. That's great. Um, constitutionalists. Um, I don't trust. I don't trust governments uh, all that often. But there, there is an element of common sense, um, and there has to be. And when we think about what we stand for, let's look at the four founding principles, responsibility, respect, fairness, and family. Uh, we, we definitely have a responsibility to, at the very least, give this and all the information that we see an honest, an honest look, not an emotional one, an honest look. You know, a lot of this stuff has elicited emotional responses for me. Uh, I remember Dr. Fauci from back in the day. You guys may not be old enough, but, you know, he was really popular. He was really famous on TV for the AIDS stuff back in the day. A lot of what she's talking about and what she's accusing him, I'm sure you'll get to that. But uh, we have to really, really, really take everything we hear, especially from those who stand to gain from our quote-unquote suffering and our inconveniences and our uncomfortableness, we have to take everything they say with a grain of salt. But we also have to take those who are who stand to gain the other way too, like 
if someone is, is uh, maybe anti-vaccine. Uh, and I'm not going to get into that freaking argument because you know what? There are some vaccines that I think are okay and there's some that I don't. But in the end of the day, I'm a freaking doctor. So I have to just – I have to go with my conscience. I have to go with common sense. So, you know, is is he Dr. Evil and he was he was he funding that this thing be um, – uh, researched and, and, and all that. I think it only matters, Allie, to me, it, it only matters if the virus was supposedly man-made, uh, which I don't believe in, in a million years. So if the virus was man-made, would it matter if he was funding it? Probably, but I don't think it was man-made, so I don't think it's an issue for me. Because like you said earlier in the beginning, I, 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 we all agree we want the most smartest people in charge of state, uh, uh, not so much in charge of us, but in charge of interpreting and helping us understand what's happening. Absolutely. So that brings us to the next one. You mentioned that you're not very fond of government, and you get you get kind of. But mm, I'm but I'm probably gonna butcher this. The ba ba bay bay dolat. So this is a – without reading the whole thing, effectively what it does is it allows federal contractors to make a patent on whatever they find if – even if they, use, or if they use federal funding to achieve it. So, like, it would be the difference between I work for University A that is – uh, government university, I get most of my funding from the government to do research on, I don't know, <laughs> uh, getting a vaccine or, or some sort of treatment for cancer. And as soon as I find the treatment for cancer, I have the ability to make a patent for it, even though the government's the one that funded me to, to accomplish it. Or the, Or I could go to this other company, if it's a private company, and they get the same right to patent it. Now, a private company, they're funding their own business. They're probably wanting to make some money off of what they, or make the money back put in to try and find the cure. That's one thing. This is, this university, whoever it is that discovered it, they have the ability to patent it. Do I need to clarify that more? Can somebody say it better than me? I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, so sometimes restating things helps make sure that we're understanding it. Um, <laughs> what you're getting at is that government re- government funded research, when the funding is going to private contractors, is allowing a private contractor to then hold a patent, even though it is government funding that is giving that patent to that private contractor. And they wouldn't have any way of holding that patent without having had that government funding. And we're, we see this as an issue, right? Yes. So that, that is what okay. this act allows. This act allows them to patent it, despite the fact that the government was the primary primary funder for it. So, so here's my thing. Oh, should, I, should I jump on my thing with that, my view, or should I wait a minute? Um, 
Well, I, I want to say my view first, and then I'll let you do yours. Go for it. Go for it. So my I am very much against this, and I actually happen to agree with Judy Mikovits on this. I, like we said, there might be some good things that come out of this movie, but you've got to weed through a lot of the bad stuff to get to it. So this is one of those things that she mentioned that I happen to agree with her on. She said, I want, I, I'm urging Trump to, the Trump administration to overturn that act. And I, I agree. It should be overturned. If the money is coming from the public, that's my taxpayer dollars going into that research. And I, we are the primary payer towards it, or at least a massive chunk of it. I think, I think if you're contributing anywhere north of 25% from the government to that, then either have a limited patent or they can't have a patent at all. And by limited, I mean like maybe five years you get a patent on it. But I, I strongly agree that no one company should have the right to a government-funded uh, – that should be something that is allowed to be distributed, in my opinion, to any company that wants to use it for the free market and get it out there, especially when we're talking about something like COVID-19 which this may or may not have anything to do with that. I don't know if they're going to be like, okay, well, look, this is special circumstances. Can we just, you know, get it through and then get the, make mass produce it? Because this is, this is a crazy situation. We're not going to do a patent for it. I mean, they can opt for it, but either way. That's where I stand on that. If it's government funded, no, no. This whole act needs to be overturned. That's my opinion. 100%. Okay, Charles, you can go on. Okay, so I'm of two minds on this, and this is the problem. On the one hand, I'm a humanitarian. On the other hand, I recognize we have a partially capitalistic society. I'm not going to get into the fact that we're not a pure capitalism. Um, we're not. Anyone who doesn't like that, get over it. I mean, we haven't been in a, for a while, but we're partially capitalistic. So you're giving money to a company who are going to do the, the legwork for you. They're going to hire the people. They're going to handle the administrative. They're going to have technologies that they've already put their money into for machines and equipment. And you're giving them this money to do the research, to fund it. And when it's done, you know, what they get out of the success is a strong pat on the back, uh, a hearty thank you. Uh, congratulations on a job well done. Now, this is the thing. I'm a humanitarian also. And my view, patents in general, copyrights even, to some degree, um, the way in which we protected these to the exclusion of the benefit of society, the amount that we've changed the laws around these things in the past 50, 60 years is insane in my mind. Like copyright used to be a 20-year thing at most. Um, I think it was a 10-year thing at one point. Uh, because it was believed that after 10 years, it, as a, an author, if you had not improved or, or benefited from your own work in other ways, that obviously it should be allowed to benefit the rest of society. And patents used to have like a five-year time frame unless it was a medical patent, in which case the government was allowed to take it and distribute it to others temporarily in cases of emergency. And now the law is like, nah, you, you get that copyright for 
for 90, 100 years and give you an extension on it if you can prove you're still doing new stuff. And hell, while we're at it, we're going to give you a piece of pie and uh, uh, maybe a slice of cake. And, uh, and we're going to maybe give you some extra government funding on it. I don't know. As a humanitarian, I don't like the whole idea of patents and copyrights the way it's set up now anyway. But when it comes to government funding and patents, I would say that the government needs a stricter system for the distribution of those patents afterwards and that that company deserves a kickback for the amount that they put in. So if the government put 25% in and the government distributes this, this medicine, there should be some part of this should be getting them a kickback for oh, I can the use that. of the information they created. But it, they shouldn't have complete control of it either because at that point, it falls under eminent domain because it's necessary. And the government is basically saying, look, this is ours now. Um, well, so here, to put this in a different perspective, okay? Well, let, me, let me put this in a different perspective first and then then I want you to take that and put it into account with what you're about to say. So okay. you you have you have had government funding to your education, yes? I need to be sure I'm saying the right thing here. I don't want to be insulting. You've had government funding aimed towards your education, yes? So that people understand that as a veteran, yes, I have. Well, I mean, almost everyone does. Well, if you go to college, almost everyone gets a government grant. They probably don't know that I was a veteran, so they wouldn't know that I had a VA well, to do That's that. fair. Most people get the Pell Grant, too. Most people get a Pell Grant, um, at, like at minimum, they get the Pell Grant. So you've had funding towards your education, and the government didn't come back and be like, all right, now, Allie, we see that degree that you got there. That's, that's really cool. And we see you're making, you know, I'm not going to use your real, your real salary. I'm going to use an in, a definitely inflated number <laughs> because that inflated number is going to make it easier for me to break down into this 25%. We see you're making $100 an hour after that. I think 25 of that before taxes should come back to us since we paid for 25% of your education. Or better yet, 100% of that for a year or two should come back to them. You wouldn't, you wouldn't call that a, uh, a fair situation. <laughs> I, I don't know what you'd call that. You, I, I, yeah. I know I'd hear about it and I'd get you yeah. your stuff. But see, this is, this is the thing. A grant is a money given freely, and we may not like what that means, and that means we need to we need to change our view of what a grant is and how a grant works. And there's a difference between the government hiring a company to do the work, saying, "Look, we're hiring you as a contractor to provide us this patent. We are paying you this much to go do this." And I honestly would prefer that method. I think that's a way better way of doing it. But once you give them the money, you can't be like, now we own your shit. I mean, you can. It's called eminent domain. And that's what we would have to, that's what we need to do anyway if the bill passes. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pass the bill on day one. Be like, all right, this is how it is now. They own the bank. On day two, Trump's going to do that thing from the meme where he opens up the new executive order. And it's going to be like eminent domain and light's going to fly out of the paper. And we're going to own that patent. That is the way of the world. My point is, we probably shouldn't be doing research like that at all, doing grants and patents in that way. And we should be hiring these companies through government funding and being like, look, we're paying you to get us a patent for this. We're going to give you a lot of money 
Yeah. So, so here's the difference between yeah. what what you're talking about and what Bob Bay Dole Act is. So, the Bay Dole Act allowed if if the Bay Dole Act was not in place, then the persons who develop it would not be allowed a patent. It would go into the public domain. That would that would be the difference. So, like my company, um, the or I shouldn't say my company. The company I'm a security guard for is a pharmaceutical company. Hypothetically speaking, if they could produce the vaccine for, say, COVID-19 or or influenza or whatnot, they don't do that. They do other kind of medications, but just for the sake of me getting this analogy out, if they had the product to create it by having this information out that was uh that was produced, they would be able to go to that public domain, grab the the information on how to make it themselves from doing. So only one company has the right, only the person who uh, who holds the patent has the right to produce it and say who can and can't produce it. So if they want to say that my pharmaceutical company can't produce it because they don't like the the guy that's in charge of it. They can do that. That's their that's their business model. We don't like that guy. I'm not going to do business with him. So, but the lack of a patent allows my company to be able to do that. And that's the difference. That's what I think. Why I think it needs to be overturned, so that any company can go out, say, hey, I want to make this product. I have the sequence here and what what needs to be the right amount of this product needs to go in there, combine with this product, we'll test it and make sure that our lab techs look at it and say and it all says it's the same stuff. And they don't have to worry about it being a knockoff at all. It's the exact same thing. Am I making any more sense? I, I think so. So you, what you're saying is you don't think they should be able to patent it at all, and this bill is going to allow them to. Oh, the bill already does. The bill already does. Yeah, the, so, the act is already, it's already passed. It's been passed for a while now. So Yeah, the, bill, the, is, bill, actually, the bill actually mandates somebody patent it. it it's, that's what yeah. bills are. Yeah. So this is my thing. As a humanitarian, I think such bills are atrocious. I think patenting in general is atrocious because it slows down the progress of technology. Um, if everything is a patent, then people have no ability to get access to older technology quickly, pull it apart, and rebuild it better. Um, but the other side of that is that without patents, you don't have incentive for corporations and so long as we're using a capitalist model, semi-capitalist model, corporations are the ruling force. They don't have incentive to do any work. Why would you make a vaccine for COVID as a company? Okay, why would you put the legwork in when someone else is just going to take your legwork and then they're going to sell it at a dollar for every 10 you charge, cents for every dollar you charge, or they're going to find someone somewhere who gives them a better deal than you're getting. And they're going to get that sucker so low that 
all of those thousands and millions and billions of dollars spent and thousands and thousands of man hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars in equipment and, and resources and all of this that goes into this. All you have to do is say that you don't want the government's money. That's the difference here. Right. The, the biggest difference right. is the government's money input into it. But the, but the government is doing it as a grant. And this is my point with the government grants. I don't feel the government should be doing grants. They should hire companies to do the work so that it is the government's patent. The idea of the government giving grants to medical groups that are going to be able to patent, to me, is the most foolhardy concept I've ever heard of. Uh, but the fact that they have the power, that companies have the power to do this patent to begin with is inhumanitarian. But then again, at the end of the day, in a crisis, it doesn't really matter because the government's just going to sign them in its main papers. Can I just in here for a minute? Go sure, ahead. yeah. I, I, I think part of what we're missing here is this. I think you both have good points in either way, and I think you, you, if we put both your points together, you're actually talking about what the, the act was intended for. So the reason for grants, number one, is to give everybody um, a chance to try and make it, research it, right? So these universities. So uh, if a university um, or, let's say, a nonprofit um, virus outbreak research group uh, had discovered uh, a strain of virus and then subsequently started to make a uh, the beginnings of vaccine most often time those those entities do not have even close to the to the resources needed and we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars to produce a medicine like i mean millions and millions and millions most, probably all, of these uh, research entities don't have that kind of uh, money. They also don't have the kind of uh, power um, of machines, people, stuff like that, like you were saying a minute ago, Charles, um, but the pharmaceutical companies do. Now, what this does, this, this act uh, ensures that the, the group or person, usually person, uh, who discovers it or who's assigned to it or who's in charge of it patents that, but they have, they, they are able to patent it in a, uh, to say the U S government are able to patent it to the, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever company or whatever, uh, outfit are working for, uh, they're able to, and then license and then, uh, uh use a, uh, use licensing to allow a particular pharmaceutical company to, uh, vaccine. Now, a lot of times pharmaceutical companies are the ones that are doing the research too, and a lot of times they, they will hire small research firms. Uh, the government does it through grants. Other companies do it through just outright paying people to do it. Um, but what this what the bill also said, though, is that if that particular company fails to produce the product that was intended um, uh, using federal funds, or if it can't um, make enough of it that's useful, then uh, the the government can then uh, uh, what do they call it uh, compel the the person to grant that license to other companies at that point. I mean, we have other systems in place that already that, that's already kind of unfair, like the FDA, for example. Uh, the FDA can tell a company they're not allowed to do nothing. And then that their stuff never gets passed. They're never stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, we've, we've heard of it. We've seen it already. Um, 
I don't know if this is if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, it's been going on since 1980, and I haven't really suffered from it. So I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't really hurt me that I know of. Um, but I mean, there is some there is some some conscious things in there. In other words, uh, if, if a research group can't can't feasibly create a, a messenger or a patent, or I mean a or a vaccine or something, they have to go to somebody who can, but they do it through this, that doesn't give that pharmaceutical company um, 100% ownership to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, mm. well, it, it makes sense. And it, the thing is, you raise a really good point. Without things like this, how do you expect a, a campus, a university, that is doing research, that is attempting to find these solutions to compete with the mega corporations with so much money that if I if I if I give a number, it wouldn't make sense. Like literally, your mind would go, "Oh, that's big," and you wouldn't be able to comprehend how big the number is because we stop being able to comprehend numbers easily as humans when they get beyond the tens of thousands, like to be able to visualize. So we literally yeah, have trouble. I really, I think I, I think I read, I think I read about a, a, a certain medicine, a, some medicines that took like a billion dollars from start to finish just to make. You know, that's a lot. Yeah. That, that that is unfathomable. My, uh, I was talking to my friend at the Umbrella Corporation the other day. We don't go to the government. We just we just hire labs. Uh, we acquire labs. Put it to you that way. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> Well, see, but that 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 is that is kind of my point. And a mega corporation can even put pressure on on uh, campuses, universities to not research by any number of political or monetary means. They can just say, "Look, you have a choice. We can buy what we need from you, or you can sell to the to to the institute over there, to the university, to the smaller group. But if you sell to them." The five billion units we were going to buy from you, we're going to buy from someone else. Whatever it is, be it latex gloves, or they just, or or they just take the really smart people out of the university. They just hire them away. Yep. You know, yeah. Yep. How, how much are you getting paid again? I'll tell you what. You come work for Umbrella Corp. We got <laughs> you. We got you. You are going to be. I mean, how many Corvettes do you want? How many swimming pools can one man swim in? Right. <laughs> So, yeah, that's exactly – that is the other good point. Like, you don't compete with someone at that level. It's, it's kind of like like I say to people, you know, when we start talking about various things, like, look. I, um, You're breaking up. Was I breaking up? Yep. Am I back? Yes. Okay. I got muted for a second. Um, but, you know – in my youth, I boxed for a bit, and one of the things I tell people is that, you know, you've got to understand the difference in power of what you're dealing with in a given situation. So I say boxing is great for self-defense, you know, on the street against you know, a guy with nothing but his hands, maybe even a knife. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, dude pulls out a gun, and he's at a distance of like 30 feet. Um, don't try to box him. Understand you will lose. 
Not 90% of the time, not 99% of the time. You just, that's not a fight you walk into. If you can avoid that fight, avoid it. Well, that's kind of what it's like going up against a mega corporation. You know, yeah, you're a great boxer. And here they pull out, you know, twin Gatling guns, a pair of rocket launchers, two bazookas, and a small army behind them. You ain't going to box that. Hmm. Okay, so we got to move on. We got more questions to go through. This one, I'm not really sure which order to go into because they kind of go hand in hand. Is it true that Ebola couldn't affect, infect humans until it was in a lab? And is it possible to get a virus from eating an animal? I don't know, and what? yes. It's, it's, it's possible to get lots of things from eating an animal. <laughs> so... I went and I looked it up, and the way that Ebola, and this is why it goes hand in hand, the way Ebola ended up um, transferring between, or transferring at all, was when the they were dealing with wild animals, dead wild animals, meat. So they were going to eat it, but it was actually they got it from handling the raw meat and it got into the, or it ended up getting into their bodies from there, but not necessarily when they ate it. It, I, I couldn't really tell. Viruses themselves, because they're alive, not really. But you can get it from the raw, the raw material by putting your hands on it when you shouldn't be putting your hands on it, uh, things like that. So can you get it from eating it? Uh, by proxy? I mean, let's say that I I handle it, and then I come in contact with you because I contracted it, right? Well, it's not – it was from the food, the bat, for example. They were dealing with the, with the raw materials of the bat. So it's possible that what really happened was the person who was uh, preparing it ended up contracting it, and then passing it on to, say, a waitress or a waiter, and then that waiter ended up spreading it through. I don't think they ever found patient zero in Wuhan. I'm not sure if they did, but they did link it to the bats, which could have easily just been – now, if it had anything to do with the Wuhan lab, maybe, but it would have been more like – a human being was not doing proper proper protocol, contracted it while they were working with it, putting it into possibly bats, and then they went from there, and then they ended up being around other people. There's no telling how it got there, but it was linked to bats. And Judy's whole thing where she's like, you can't get it from from eating. Well, maybe you can't. But you definitely can still get it from the meat, and therefore her whole argument falls apart because there are several examples of this happening, and Ebola happens to be one of them. Well, yeah, and looking at the Ebola information, it looks like there's multiple. The, the thing is, you don't talk about Ebola. You talk about the multiple strains of Ebola, all of which have different temperatures and things like that that they survive under, but. Can you get it from eating meat? I mean, yeah, if you cook like my old roommate did, he'd heat the pan up and throw the steak at it and hold it sideways. And I said, 
slid down. He knew that size of gun. He'd reheat the pan and fling the other side on as he slid down. He knew that side was done. And, you know, to him, that was a medium rare, right? <laughs> he cooked me one day, and I'm like, extra, extra, extra well done, sir. And he's like, well, that'll be burnt. I'm like, you would believe, sir, yes, but I think it'll actually be just right. <laughs> um, if you cook like him, um, then you better have the immune system he has because I think if he was any other man on earth, he'd be dead three times over. Um, you're going to pick up everything if you cook meat like that. Like if it's got it, you got it. You know, you, you need more than 30 seconds to sear it on either side um, for it to be edible safely. Um, but like, can you contact it through other things? Well, theoretically, because you could always be cooking the meat and have forgotten to wash your hands after handling it. And I don't know, you did the steak well done and then picked it up with the, the, the virus still on your hands. I mean, yeah, when you're dealing with food preparation, the ability to spread anything through anything is there. But there's a big difference between this spreads something every time from this and you could, under very, very specific circumstances, through a very special set of steps, do this thing. Like, you know, your risk of your risk of dying from falling down out of your bed is relatively low. But I suppose if you stack your bed high enough, you know, on your roof, and you sleep on the edge of your bed and on the edge of your roof, you could die from falling out of bed. And the risk factor goes up. Is it impossible otherwise? No. It could happen by chance. You could just fall at the wrong angle. But it's very slim probability versus, you know, going to these great extremes to raise that probability up. And that's the problem with a lot of these things is you take something that there's a logical possibility and people in a state of fear turn possibility into probability. Whereas probability is something that is far more solid on its own. So they confuse possibility of probability. And even then, beyond probability own function, uh, risk factors are under, is an understanding of how probability plays into your life versus small and large numbers. So, yeah. Like, I mean, could you do it? Yeah, sure. I mean, you could also get poisoning from shooting the meat with a gun at point blank range and the, 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 the gunpowder, the burn powder in the meat could poison you because for some reason, before you eat your steaks, because we're, we're Americans and we want the rest of the world if they listen to us to understand what we do. This is how we eat steak, people. The legends are true. After we cook a steak by throwing it for 10 seconds on either side on the hot pan, we then pull out a fully automatic rifle and shoot it at point blank range to ensure that it's done all the way through and then eat it. And that could cause you to get poisoning from it. Okay, so right. well, for those that don't so know my, for those that don't know my humor, that was sarcasm. <laughs> so going so circling back, the reason why Judy brought this up though was because she she wants to prove, quote unquote, that her theory this virus was lab created in the first place, whether she has, she doesn't take a disposition on whether or not it was intentionally released or, uh, or if it was complete accident. She 
teams to lean more towards it was a complete act. But her whole thing is that by doing the research itself, that's what caused it to or allowed it to be able to get into the public. The thing with this theory, though, is that if that were the case, then we shouldn't have had many of the different viruses that and uh, other things. Like, um, I'm pretty sure the bubonic plague, I, I don't know. I think the bubonic plague qualifies as a virus. Bubonic. Yes, I think it is. I think it was a virus. Uh, Not a bacteria or something? No, it, no, it was a pestis. It was a pestis. A pestis. It's different. Uh, yeah. But it did it come did, from an animal. It did come from animals, right? It did come Spread from an animal, animals. but that was, but uh, that seems, a pestis from talking to Nathan earlier today, I did not know that mad cow disease is considered a pestis. Apparently, if you, um, if you burn a cow down that has mad cow disease, down to its ashes, and you ate the ashes, you could still get cow disease from it because a pestis is not is not a living thing. It's it's a it's something else. It, it's it's a weird little thing. <laughs> Nathan's like, don't even get me started on pestis. Pestis is weird, and he didn't have enough time to go into it with me. So this this is a pestis, uh, which means it's non living. It's not it's not the same. So that one, I guess, really does not count. But, I mean, we were getting stuff from animals before anyway. You can get salmonella, which isn't really a virus, but it's like a bacteria. Either way, it can jump. And if if it didn't jump and we needed labs to be able to make it jump, then we wouldn't have anything in history before labs were a thing that was – it's a stupid argument. It just it doesn't pass the so there's yeah. Yeah. did you want to add something? No, no, I was just agreeing with you. You, you. you kind of seemed like you needed someone to say, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> and that's the kind of thing you know we, we have to look at. But no, you you hit it really well. So okay, so now we're going to go to the next one. Um, overinflated numbers of COVID deaths. This one also goes hand in hand with the other part where it was, is it true that hospitals are getting a large amount of money for every COVID case? Uh, That really depends. For us, $13,000 is a lot of money. And then I think like if you had the, there was something else that if you could confirm something, you could get more than that. And I don't remember what it was. To us, that sounds like a lot of money because we don't make a lot of money. I mean, it's just reality. We're not going to make that much money in one month, so it's a lot of money. But on a hospital level, where what they're doing is they're having to put that money back into product and trying to maintain certain things. It's really not a lot of money. So the whole it's a large amount of money thing, nah, yeah. So then we go back into the, are the numbers being overinflated? So I talked, I'm part of an emergency management group, and I asked a question about it. I'm like, you know, there's, there's a difference between theory and practice. In theory, I can go out, or as a cop, Justin can go ask for a, ask for a, uh, a warrant, and 
it can be signed but not in his hand, and he can still enter the household. At the very least, he knows that it is signed. So he can go into the household if there is a need, pressing need right then. In theory, that is something that can happen. In practice, how often do you think that's actually practiced, Justin? Uh, My guess is not very often. (laughs) So, So that's kind of what I'm looking at here. We do not have raw numbers. We know that in theory, someone who has been told you are terminally ill, you're going to die in a week, and then they contract COVID-19, and then they die because, or, or they die within that week, they get signed off as a, or they can get signed off as COVID-19 was the reason that they ended up dying because it accelerated the, the death. That's a theory. Theory, it can happen. In theory, it could happen often. In practice, we don't have numbers for what that, how often it's actually practiced that that happens. So well, especially because in some places it's not up to the, it's up to the doctors in some places too. It's an opinion in, in some cases. Uh, in some states, the coroner doesn't even think about it. In yeah, some that was what I was going to say, too. Yeah. In some places, the doctor doesn't get the final say. The coroner does. And so if if that's where you are, and a lot of the EMs that I had talked with, their coroners were the ones in charge. There were a few that they said, no, it's primarily our medical examiners. But the coroners had to confirm it, and they were county coroners. So the county would have to confirm it in order for the hospital to get the to get money from it at all. And they're so and, and the coroners are elected too, by the way. That's an important distinction. Elected, not appointed. Yeah, very much so. That that is a very good point. So how often this is happening, we don't know. We can't tell you what percentage the iffy cases are, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. We can't tell you how often, but we do know that it's that if you have it, it's really bad at all. I had a friend, a, a personal friend, who was in the hospital for about a week, week and a half, and her husband was just distraught. He said it was horrible. Watching her go through that was the worst thing he had ever had had to watch, and he couldn't even be near her because it was COVID-19. And he's like, she's a healthy woman, and she is. She's a very healthy woman. But she was going through the ringer with this. So this is not – so when we look at the whole overinflated numbers, I want to caution people in in understanding that it's not – you don't have the raw numbers of what percentage certain things are happening at. Just because it's in theory this can happen doesn't mean that that is the common practice. Right. I uh, I don't have a problem with people challenging the uh, the overstatement of deaths or understatement of deaths. My problem stems from why they say that. And, you know, this question begs to, to begs the conspiracy theorists in me to say, oh, of course, of course they're doing it for more money. And like you said, uh, it is true they do 
get larger payments for people on ventilators versus not on ventilators, but but we can't jump and say that's the exact reason why numbers are overinflated. You know, so I mean, I agree with you. I don't. I think it's healthy to question everything, but we really shouldn't pin on just one potential, possible, theoretical <laughs> thing. You know, I mean, I have, I personally have my doubts with certain uh, certain numbers being reported the way they are. Um, especially, like for example, when you know New York came out uh, about. I don't know, I'm about a month, maybe three weeks ago, and said uh, some of the, you know, 3,600 of the cases or the deaths uh, may have been misreported or whatever. Um, that that gives me more credible evidence than, you know, oh, just because a hospital can potentially, theoretically, paid more. Uh, because you know what that does for me? That slaps in the face of every doctor, every nurse, every orderly, every attendant, every Every person who is working in a hospital right now or any other, that slaps in the face of them putting money over the health of their patients. And I don't, I'll call bullshit on that all day long. You know, I don't think there's a doctor out there uh, who's working in a hospital right now who says, oh, I can't wait to get an extra $39,000 that I will never personally ever see over the, 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 you know, the life of this person. So. Yeah, that's the part that kind of irritates me about it, if they use that one stat to say, oh, of course they're lying. You know, I've I've come in contact with people in my days, and I can tell you that the integrity of them is, is overwhelming more than just a few thousand bucks. Yeah, and, and there's no telling what other factors are going into I mean, they're all stressed. They're very stressed. Uh, we had a friend, Justin and I had a friend who told us that um, back in December, they, his, he and his wife to, uh, um, went to the hospital and it was over some stuff. And later on, like a month or so ago, he went back and he talked with some doctors and they said, yeah, we're pretty sure you probably had COVID-19 back then. And uh, he said, well, okay, but we got tested for antibodies. And the the test came back negative, and the doctor laughed at him and said, oh, yeah, that only works 20% of the time. So there's no telling who else, who else has it. If, if that doctor is accurate, time will it come up positive when they actually do have it. Who knows? There could be more numbers out there that we should probably have on the thing. So the there there's it's insane. Well, if I may, may I? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you both, as uh, former police and, and current law enforcement, okay, in some capacity or security in some capacity. Not have you ever seen because. With you two being as honorable as you are, I know that if you've seen it, you, like, grabbed the guy and ran him into the office and banged his head off the desk. But do you believe any police officers are ever bribed in this nation? Of course they are. Yeah, yeah they're, they're bribed. Okay. <laughs> Under that same context. Pop. On that same context, okay, do I believe? 
that some administrators, I don't think the doctors as much. Don't be wrong, I'm sure there's a doctor out there, maybe, maybe many, oh, maybe some. Many implies more than some. Maybe some or a few, that's the word I'm looking for, maybe a few doctors are, are doing that. And I'm sure there may be, maybe, <laughs> notice we went from few to some. I got to get my scale right here. Some administrators are doing it. But what we know for a fact, for certain, is that the CDC has a form that is required to be filled out that shows COVID was found. It shows that the death was in some way related to COVID. So, as an example, if you're hit by a train and they test you for COVID, unless they can prove through an investigation that the COVID had you out of your mind, and wandering into the path of that train, and you were trying to inhale the train to get the COVID out of you, they don't mark it as the COVID death. They mark it as blunt force trauma. Under the well, to be fair, well, to be fair, Charles, they, they also allow suspected cases. They don't have to necessarily test positive. That's, that's true, but they, they do have to review those after, eventually. They're not reviewing them immediately because they're trying to get as much data, but they do do a re-review, which is why we had a number of cases suddenly get overturned, and then also why we had a number of suspected cases get overturned in the other direction and added two in different states, because the review process is ongoing. But I guarantee you, okay, if you're there and it's like, yeah, gunshot wound, got him, market of COVID with no test, that eventually that administrator is going to be found out. And if the government can go after medium and large-sized businesses after giving them a loan, under which they had no authority to say, look, pay it back now or else, okay? They had no authority to say that, but they did it anyway. And you know what? God bless the power of a government sometimes overstep itself a little to correct its own mistake. They had the power to do that. I guarantee you that those administrators will be facing someone who shows up and says, so I looked through your cases, 50 gunshots, 50 COVID deaths. Found it kind of interesting that COVID is killing all these gunshot victims. And it's going to be bad for those administrators. This is why I say some, not many, not most, but some administrators maybe don't. Because every, because you're always going to have a percentage of people that are just, you know, they got just enough uh, rocks in one spot and not enough uh, brains in their head to realize that they're going to get caught. And that this is going to be jail time for fraud. And this is going to be possibly counted as some form of embezzlement. And it, men who get paid a lot of money and women who get paid a lot of money to sit and file papers all day and who get this, this rush, this rush out of seeing other people's lives collapse because of paperwork are going to come to them. That these people who, who have a love of the smell of freshly printed affidavits are going yeah. to come to them. So and most people wrong. know this. Most people know this. There, there, there there's always people out there doing that. But um, now, I will say I will say this. There was something like 3,300. Uh, I want to say it was 3,300. I don't remember the exact number of, of cases, deaths in New York that why are often? unaccounted for. Huh? <laughs> I said, why are you They're, unaccounted. <laughs> <laughs> They're unaccounted for. And they could be COVID cases. But because of the strain 
that New York is going through, they can't find out. They don't have the ability to to do like a past record on them, and some of them it might be the maybe they can't do a test on them because of lack of testing resources or whatever. But there's a large they they were found in their homes already dead, and they didn't have any way of processing them. So so there is the all these problems. So I don't I don't want people to sit there and say oh the numbers are overinflated or the numbers are underrepresented uh, underrepped on the testimony of some woman who was on a really well done video because she says this or that there are no raw numbers we don't know what percentage of why these people were were said okay th- this is covid we don't know why we don't have that information we just have straight up these are the people that we know recovered these are the people that had COVID and they died. That's all we know. That's it. And that's and that kind of brings us into the next point. Um, I'm going to skip over the hydroxyquin for uh, hydroxychloroquine, yeah, that one, for the last question. I'm going to jump into the sheltering. So, is sheltering, masking, and washing hands for people of healthy age necessary? Is it true that by not ordering or adhering to these things, we're making ourselves more susceptible? Will illness spike after we open back up as a result? So before I go into my research, I want to hear from Justin and Charles. Justin, you first. I think a case can be made for people not being exposed to just everyday germs that we are already pretty well uh, built up against most of us. I think a case can be made for that. I also think a case can be made for common sense, some common sense thing. Let me, let me give you an example in my personal life. Uh, as you guys know, um, well, you may or may not know, it's hard to get uh, certain meat right now um, in the big box stores, which ironically are supposedly safer than smaller stores, but I guess. Uh, So I I had to go to this other store that's a restaurant supply store, which obviously is really well stocked because there are no goddamn restaurants open anywhere for the most part. So I went there um, and there was like three people in the store with me besides my wife, my mother. So I didn't wear my mask uh, in that store. Well, I went to Walmart because, you know, um, they're the only other store open that has stuff I need. And I did wear my mask in there because it was really packed full of people. Now, I'm under no illusion that a mask is going to magically save my life from everything everywhere. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, but Charles made a comment to somebody who posted a, a meme today that said something to the effect of, uh, I'm a, I wear a cloth mask to stop the virus, but um, I'm going to put up a chain link fence to stop mosquitoes. And Charles uh, responded something to the effect of, that's a fair point. You got to wear, you got to use the right tools for the right job or something like that. Um, I mean, you know, I wear a mask. I have one for work that was donated to me because I am a fine person and I do have many contacts with people every day. Some of those are sick people that I'm responding to 
um, to treat them or not treat personally, but take care of the help take care of the scene. And I wear a mask that's that's really tight and it's got filters and stuff in it. It's hard to breathe out of, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's hard to breathe out of. So sometimes I don't wear it. Sometimes I do. I always wear it when I'm on scene or something, but when I'm out and about, it depends. I mean, again, I think this is some common sense stuff. Um, if I'm out at a national park or a state park, or if I have a hundred acres to myself, I'm not going to wear a mask. That's stupid. If I'm in a packed Walmart, should I wear a mask? Yeah. Do I wear gloves? No. Um, so I think, to, to answer your question, I, I, I think there's, I think the case can be made uh, for some of this common, common sense stuff. And I'm not going to steal Charles's thunder because I know he'll want to talk about the Spanish flu mass stuff, um, which actually, after I seen that and looked into it, after I seen him posted it, it did change my view a little bit on um, mask. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's, there, there should, anyways, there's common sense. You know, should, you, should you be driving around your car with a mask on? No, that's stupid. You look like an idiot. But if you're if you're in a store full of people, should you wear a mask? Uh, I'm not going to tell you you should or should not. I think you should have common sense, though. Does that mean I'm up? So Charles is going to take on the Spanish flu quarantine, huh? Let's see how much you've got compared to me. So Spanish flu quarantine is really interesting. Uh, It's a situation where people refused to wear masks. At one point, the government tried to order them to. It didn't work. Eventually, the government said, look, do it or you're under arrest. People resisted. The numbers skyrocketed. And this was after people stopped wearing masks. The numbers just shot through the roof. And then when they put the mask back on, the numbers dropped through the floor. So here's the thing about the mask. Because of the Spanish flu, we already have a pretty good idea of what masks do and don't do. The mask will not keep you from getting sick. When this started, the experts said that. And I want to reinforce this. People say, well, the experts changed their mind. The experts changed their mind. No, the experts get new data sometimes. But they have never changed their stance on it. They never said that it would keep you safe, and they still don't say it'll keep you safe. They say it'll keep you safer, but only marginally. What keeps you safe is the other person wearing the mask because it slows down spittle, and if you don't believe me, if you don't have a microphone in front of your face right now like me, start talking rapidly. Well, I mean, you know, after the show, with a plate of glass or something that will collect moisture in front of it, look at how much moisture is formed. Look at how much spittle is on it. Now add to that one errant cough or one sneeze at someone who, you don't have control when you cough and sneeze sometimes. And this is allergy season. You could be a carrier with no other symptoms and be spreading it thanks to allergy season. But that mask will stop that spittle. That mask will stop that projectile of uh, moisture. And that's what the mask is meant to do. The mask is body armor that you're wearing for everyone else. So that the gun you're firing doesn't kill them eventually. Well, it doesn't kill 2% of all people you might be exposed to. Uh, because that's what the numbers are looking at. We have had the one number that has been constant in all of this, okay? And I have been watching those COVID numbers. And I have watched them jump on the desks and I've watched them drop. When this started, the expert said, we should expect about 2 to 4% of all people who get this to die. 
So I've been watching these numbers. I watch that percentage go up and I watched it go down. I calculated it. Me and Justin went and calculated it together. At one point I gave him my math and he goes, what kind of fairy math did you do to get that? And I said, it wasn't fairy, it was dwarf. And hold on, don't, don't say, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I did not say fairy math. That makes me sound like a homophobe or something, fantasy. dude. <laughs> fantasy. fantasy was the word he used. Okay, all right. Okay, I think it was fantasy was the word you used, or or something of that nature. And I and I I retorted very aptly that I was using cases resolved, but that I wasn't assuming that that was the accurate number, just the maximum worst case scenario. Now those numbers have dropped, as I predicted they would, as I said they would, as experts said they would. But the number that has remained constant, and you can go over, you can go over, you just type in COVID status. It's one of the first things on your search bar. And it's done by, what is the name of that group now? Uh, uh, by World of Meters, okay? And the one number that has remained stable is serious or critical. And serious or critical means we don't think you're going to make it. Serious or critical means, look, we got the ventilators up. So we called the priest. We called the bit key. You know, if you're Norse, we called a bit key. And he's come over and he's like, yeah, you're screwed. Go with Odin. And it's walked off the scene, okay? That 2% is, okay? And that 2%, about 98% of that resolves in death. And then about another percentage that, again, somewhere between 2 and 4% die. Of those that are in mild condition, which is almost 100% beyond that 2%, percentage of them die because let's face it some people are unlucky some people they get covid and they decide that they're gonna they're like oh man you know, my chest really hurts i better do an olympic swim run today and they drowned and it gets listed as covid related because if they're trying to revive them there's no reviving someone from idiocy because as soon as they jump back up they dive back in the water and they gotta they gotta drag the person back out you can't revive them from idiocy there's always going to be those people that die either from unforeseen circumstances or pure stupidity of not taking the fact that they're sick seriously and getting themselves well. That Those are the definite numbers we know. And I'm a numbers kind of guy. So the experts have not changed their stance on these numbers in three months, okay? They have not changed their stance on what the procedure should be except to expand safety measures. So they went from three feet to six. Well, that's because when you realize that three feet isn't working, you move people to six. It's the same thing you do when you're layering armor on a tank. And they go, oh, man, we hit it with the shell, and uh, it, didn't, you know, it didn't bounce off. You know, the tank got wrecked. Think we should put some more armor on? No, nah, we're good. We wouldn't want to change our mind. We're experts after all. No, you go, yeah, put more armor on the tank. Put more distance between the people. That's what experts do. But they did, at no point have they been like, you know what? We'll stop the coronavirus. If we all just give each other hugs and start French kissing each other, that will slow this down. They have not done a reversal like that. And it really lights my rear end on fire when people talk about, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Because they do. And they've given us the information and they have consistently increased the safety measures. They haven't decreased them. Because as they've seen, the data shows that it was worse than their initial predictions. They said, well, you layer more armor on a tank. You put more distance between two people that are infected. These are rational, reasonable things. In the mass, they've never said 
the masks will keep you safe. There is no evidence, but they say is please wear a mask because you may be a carrier and not know it. And it's allergy season coming up, and we would like to reduce the number of deaths as much as we can. Now, absolutely, and I'm glad that you break that out because. I, I got to finish this thought, and then it's yours. Justin said he cannot tell you to wear a mask, and that's because Justin is not as totalitarian as I am becoming at this moment. I'm going to tell you, you ain't got to listen to me because I have no government authority to make you. But I'm going to tell you what the green arrow said to the flash, wear a mask. <laughs> now I'm good. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up because there, there's been this, there's apparently, oh, my gosh, so I saw something recently where somebody in Illinois was saying, we don't want you to wear a mask in here. If you wear a mask in here, we're going to kick you out. And it was some gas station. And I went in and I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you and chat, Charles. Anyways, the um, – now, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, guy at a at the gas station. So, guy at the gas station has has a thing up that says, "You will not wear a mask in here. If you don't like it, you can leave. Uh, but we will kick you out if you don't if you have a mask on." And I was like, "That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen." Well, the guy comes back and starts telling me about how um, I'm I'm causing I'm I'm promoting fear and I'm doing this and I'm obviously. I'm obviously a Democrat, which I'm not, people. I'm not a Democrat. That's truth. But it was just this, this constantly berating. And then he posts up the dumbest thing that I swear, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. It's a, it's a thing that says mask wearing. One, reduces oxygen up to 60%. Two, increases risk of CO2 poisoning. Three, causes increased face touching, which, okay, that one is actually true, and it is why the Surgeon General is saying if you are healthy, maybe you don't need to be wearing the mask because it is increasing your you putting your hand up to your, to your face and touching it because you have a sense of... Um, a sense of security that it's that you, the mask will protect your face thoroughly. Uh, that just really requires you to be more cognizant of what you're doing with your hands in either case. Um, so that one's eh. four. Viruses and bacteria saturate the outside of the mask. They and uh, okay it, then and touching the mask and surfaces spreads germs, and then contaminants sit in the fibers of the mask, which allow you to re-inhale them, which is stupid. So put in your head real quick, a doctor who has a mask on, he is protecting his patient. That is the primary purpose of for that, is from, for protecting his patient from getting contaminants when he's doing whatever it is he's doing, surgically or whatever. That is the whole point of that. It does very little to protect the doctor from whatever comes out. It's mostly for the patient. If this stuff was true, we should have our doctors falling out like flies. 
reduces oxygen up to 60%. I mean, let's, let's just think about that one. How many doctors are sitting there going through a situation that's very stressful? They're probably breathing more, especially if they're newer, and it, it's causing them to reduce their oxygen even further. They should be passing out. Same goes for increased risk of CO2 poisoning. They should be passing out. Causes, uh, okay, so the face touching, and eh, uh, viruses and bacteria saturate the outside and basically contaminate you and you re-inhale them. We should be having our doctors getting more sick often, or sick more often. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Okay, maybe not ever seen, but it's amongst some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen ever. So the the whole mask thing, absolutely right. It is not protecting you. It is protecting everyone else, and that is something that should be considered of vital importance. We have some people who are like, okay, look, if you're a healthy person, you should be allowed to get out and about. Hey, Justin, do you have an elderly person that you see constant, uh, pretty often? Yeah, but she's too she's too freaking ornery to be killed by anything of this earth. <laughs> That's fair. But my point is, there are a lot of healthy young young people out there who are in constant contact with the elderly, even yeah. when they're not out and about, and they just have them in their home. So you're still. I mean, there technically, she's not. Technically, she's not elderly. She'd probably kill kill us both if she heard this. Josh, she doesn't <laughs> have the patience to listen this far in, but yeah. Yeah, you know, like 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 for me, it's 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 kind of a weird thing for me because, like, I don't, I think healthy people, um, of course, should be able to go out. And if you're sick, just like in anything, if you're sick and vulnerable, you should be protecting yourself. There should be a a big healthy dose of personal responsibility here. Unfortunately, I don't think we, I I don't think we all. I don't think all of us are on that same page uh, as far as what is personal responsibility. You know, like like for our house here, I'm not worried about my mother. I'm worried about where my wife works. My wife works at an old folks home. That's, you know, mm. uh, the majority of our deaths, almost all of them in the county that I live in, are all people who are 85 and older. Um, and the vast majority of them were people who lived in a nursing home or old folks home. Right. So uh, she wears she wears a mask religiously. And, of course, uh, you know, in those settings, there's no choice. And in our state, if you're an employee anywhere, you don't have a choice uh, at this point. But um, I guess here's my thing at the end of the day, uh, uh, as far as the mask goes, Um, you guys remember I shared a while back on on Facebook and and it's it's still true right now. It's almost like there's two groups of us. Right. On one side is the freaking red coats, right? And on the other side are a bunch of colonial patriots. And the red coats are saying, put on your mask. And the, the colonial patriots are saying, kick our ass. And, you know, um, we are, we are, somehow we are, we are liking this to uh, the Battle of Concord. <laughs> Shot that started the Revolutionary War. It doesn't make any sense. There is absolutely no common sense there at all. Um, and, 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 thanks, and thanks to Charles, thanks to Charles. Now I have, I, I, I have something that, that I was, I was forced to look at and 
pay attention to because he posted that one thing. And because I was sitting here going, okay, you know, I don't feel a duty to uh, everybody's grandma safe in that way. And don't take that the wrong way um, by wearing a mask, uh, you know, out and about. But because to me, I, I, you guys know I, I, I prefer personal responsibility over having the government tell us what to do all the time. And it just kind of annoys me. I mean, I do listen sometimes, but it does annoy me a little bit. But I never, I, I never considered that this, there was already precedence for this. And yeah. the world didn't end. The world didn't end. And they didn't burn the Constitution. And they didn't freaking, you know, this didn't, this didn't spin out of control like everybody, like some well, people think it's going to. Right. You're not the only person that didn't know about this stuff, though. Like, I mean, there's a there's a guy who did a whole thing. They did they recorded him. He was in California, I think. He's in a doctor's getup, the whole kit and caboodle, and he's like, "Never in the history of America have we ever quarantined healthy people." And I'm sitting there thinking, Spanish flu, anybody? It was right there. We basically, it's maybe the word quarantine is not the best word for what it is that they're doing, but it's the same thing that we are doing. Back in there, they, like, I can, I can post up or I can send you guys a link and maybe we can put it in the show somewhere of where Stanford did a whole, whole little, like, write up of what the authoritarian measures were, preventative measures, and what people were trying to do in order to make sure that this happened. But they limited. They they did limiting on uh, gatherings and whatnot. It's it's totally a thing that happened. Well, over there, and it took about a year and a half for them to flatten the curve. It's going to be a while. I hope everybody is strapped in because it's going to be a while. And when it hit the second wave, there was a second wave that hit with the Spanish flu. And like you guys said, they didn't practice their social distancing. They didn't really put on the masks and whatnot. And it happened because it was reintroduced into the population from returning soldiers of World War One. They had come over and they, they were getting home and they had the Spanish flu themselves because it wasn't completely flattened where they were. So when they got back, they didn't practice their social distancing because no one really took it that seriously. And then there was this huge, massive spike of people that ended up dying from the Spanish flu as a result. Working together, these things had to go hand in hand. Now, the thing is, what our companies should be doing, because this is an economic problem. There is an economic problem behind us saying, okay, yeah, the social distancing needs to happen, and we need to limit how many people are in a building and this and that. They're opening up uh, restaurants around here, but they're like, dude, keep it at half capacity so that you're, you can uh, prevent people from being really close together over all this stuff. Um, but there are creative ways for, like, businesses that my brother is still out of work. He works for Nissan in uh, Tennessee. Still out of work, primarily right now because all the all their primary so, uh, uh, suppliers had to shut down due to COVID nineteen as well. So now Net- Nissan has to buy up product in order for them to resume doing anything. Um. If the companies were taking the time.
that they had been given understand with the understanding and knowledge, if they had known, if we had been able to tell them, look, this is a long-haul problem from the beginning, and you guys need to start taking steps to make sure that you can accomplish this, then they should have been doing creative things to make sure that they could keep production going when they started back up. There was a, there was a video I saw. It was a little video, and somebody was at a barber shop, and he had a sliding, like, um, like a sliding wall that allowed him. Yeah, to it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, cool. it was really cool. So he could sit underneath, and he could still do he could still do the guy's hair, but he kept his distance from him. Can I say something before you he jump in? Also, I'll, I'll let you finish it off. Can I say something real quick uh, before I forget? Yeah, go. Um, you know, e- even in, in, in 1919, uh, they found creative ways to still about life. And, and, and we really need to start moving that way. I, I don't care. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to give a reason why. Uh, the economy, people's mental health, people's actual physical health. It's not good yeah. to be locked up all the time either. Uh, we need to not compromise our, our, ourselves because there are some common sense things we need to be doing. We, and, you know, either you, you understand that or you don't. Um, uh, you're allowed to risk your own life, but you're not allowed to risk other people's lives. And, and we, we've been agreeing to that for a, at least 200 years, maybe 150. At the end of the day, we do need to start, we do need to start pushing, uh, uh, pushing people outside and getting them to, to, to start moving around again uh, with, with uh, common sense of measures. I think uh, you'd like to see a picture from, from the flu days where there was people playing baseball. They were wearing masks, but they were playing baseball. And, you know, I don't, I, we can't look, we can't say that we have to wait to secure. We can't say, uh, I know cases get uh, to zero deaths or near zero deaths. That's, that's bull hokey. You know, that, that that's oh, never going to happen. Yeah, that's never yeah, like Michigan, yeah. That's never going to happen. Um, but we can't we can't just say, all right, you know, let's just all go out there and and uh, have mass orgies in the streets because we've been locked up for 3 months. No. We have to do we have to get outside. We have to let people start living again, but we have to do it smart. And that's where I'll leave this thing. So, one more final question. Uh are we on a two-hour schedule here? Yes, we got about 12 minutes. Okay. Well, too bad we couldn't open it up for other people to come in, but but there is one more question, and that is the hydroxychloroquine and zinc question. So these have been shown anecdotal evidence that they may work. Uh, hydroxychloroquine is um, used for malaria patients. I will tell you that firsthand I know for a fact it can lead to suicidal ideation. Charles was there with me after I had to coordinate an international effort to go and save a friend of mine who was in Iraq at the time, uh, Afghanistan. He was in Afghanistan. So I have no real love for hydroxychloroquine, but if it had any, if if they could prove that it had any impact, um, I can understand why some doctors might want to move forward with this. So yesterday, before I start going into what do you guys think, 
yesterday, I listened to the Mr. Bright Congressional, uh, whatever they call that, where they where the Congress drills a guy in front of them, um, <laughs> interview, <laughs> interrogation, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to call it an interrogation. Mr. Bright was asked a bunch of questions about whether or not hydroxychloroquine should have been allowed to be uh, mass produced for the purposes of letting anybody decide whether or not they wanted to try it if they had the, if they had symptoms for COVID-19. So his problem with it was so that we can get this out there was that they wanted to mass produce it and not make it uh, and make it basically available on the market for anybody to pick up. As I understood it, it was effectively going to become a over-the-counter drug. And he did not like that. He preferred, or maybe even it was like administered at a pharmaceutical com- at a pharmacy in like Walmart or Bilo or whatever. His thing was he did not want these people to undergo hydroxychloroquine provision of a doctor, and that's what they were going, they were going to be doing. Um, whether or not he had... He, doesn't, he didn't seem to be on board with hydroxychloroquine in the first place, but his biggest point of contention was they were going to do it outside of a medical facility where the person would be monitored, and he had a problem with that. So my question to you guys is, do you believe that it should be a patient's right to determine whether or not they would use the experimental hydroxychloroquine or zinc uh, zinc method method I, I don't know if it was a zinc method or a zinc administration there we go um, if they're under doctoral supervision or do you think that the CDC uh, because it, that hasn't been actually peer reviewed or anything like that do you think that the CDC was right to not support or yeah. Do you think it's right that it shouldn't be? Supported? Am I making I don't sense of what I'm trying to say? I don't think here? the CDC or anybody else has any business telling what a doctor and a patient what they can do. That's period. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. that's that, that's just my thought right there. That to me, that overreach. The CDC's job yeah. is to tell me what to look out for. It's my doctor's job to tell me what he thinks or she thinks I should be doing. Yeah, and to further that, they already passed legislation that allows the emergency use of it by a doctor while under a doctor's care. I'd have to look up the bill. I don't have it on hand. But if your doctor, if you're under their care or if you're hospitalized and they're like, look, we're already going to have to put this person on a ventilator, then if they feel that this has a chance of helping you, they use it. But the thing is, it also has a high chance of giving you a heart attack. So it's better to be done in the conditions under a doctor's care, maybe with a heart monitor put on you when you go home. But if you start having a heart attack, an ambulance can show up. But should it be allowed to be given to all people? I mean, if we go that road, why not let them have all the other stuff that we keep uh, keep under wraps? Because those things are dangerous, too. You can give you a heart attack and other things like that. And look, if you're going to make any controlled substance that has that level of risk just out there for the public, then you might as well let all of them be. And that's just a moral standpoint. So I'm against it. But I'm going to say, if we do it, then all the rest of them too. You know what? It would be—I'm sure it would be much cheaper for me to get my asthma medicines 
if I could just go pick them up off the shelf and not have to have my doctor prescribe them. It would certainly save me costs and never happen to go to a doctor because that's really the only thing I need to go to them to have prescribed. I would just go in. I already know what I take. But do I think it's a good idea? Uh, no, because if I have an adverse reaction, it's always good to have someone who's got at least a slightly greater level of education than me to look over the paperwork while I'm in the hospital. Um, even if I even if I don't particularly like my current doctor, I am getting a new doctor beside me. Uh, I would still trust someone appointed by my wife, other than them, as a medical doctor to come look over my paperwork and it'd be, there'd be a note there that says, oh, he's on this. Instead of just like, well, whatever Charles found in the story took, because, you know, Charles is that kind of guy. No, I don't, I, I, we're asking how much do we trust people to be um, able to decide their own fate. And we have determined over countless centuries, when you give people a certain amount of freedom, it's fine. When you give them access to things that can kill them dead instantly, you usually want to regulate that because people will attempt to kill themselves to see if it works. And it's best not to let them make that choice if you want to keep large numbers of people alive who will do things that they presumed were intelligent because they don't believe they need to research. That's, that's my view on it. That's why those laws exist. That's why we have drunk driving laws and laws for narcotics. Because we know that you can only trust people to be intelligent so far. In a perfect world, we wouldn't even be having this discussion because people would be very, very hyper-intelligent and they would be doing the research on all these drugs. And they would go, oh, wow, uh, maybe I should go talk to my pharmacist before I go pick up a packet of them. I just always think it's a much better it's a much better policy personal policy to allow uh, a person who is educated in medicine versus a bureaucrat tell me what's best for me and that's my business and not theirs the bureaucrats be damned amen you know, that's amen one thing that's one oh. you know the the mask thing the mask and the gloves and all this other blah 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 okay I can. I can find common sense reasons to 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 uh, live with some of that and and not have some of it. But uh, when it comes to, to to your health and and your business between you and your doctor, that's nobody else's business. <laughs> Period. So I, I happen to be in agreement. I think that at the very least, you should have to sign a waiver saying that you understand the risk. I mean, I had to do that with an epidural. Or not an epidural. I had to do that for uh, having a C-section. I was sitting there, and they were they were like, "Okay, I have to read this off to you." I was like, "I already know what the risks are. Just give me the document so I can sign it." And they're like, "I have to read it to you." I'm like, "Well, then just do it fast." <laughs> but um, I had to do that with a C-section so that I could have Makai. I believe that if they are going to administer it, it should be inside of a hospital monitored, uh, and, and that should be something that is um, considered just common sense. If the, if the bureaucrats want to put that in, that this is how you have to do it, then I'm fine with that because then at very least you're inside the hospital, you are being monitored, and that information can later on go to a, to a study by like John Hopkins University or whoever happens to be collecting data on it, and maybe – Maybe if it turns out that it is working, they could be like, okay, 
So while you guys work on that vaccine, this is what we're going to do to help ease people through. That way we can inoculate later, but at the very least we have, we have something to go forward with. Um, so like I said, as long as it's inside of a hospital, monitored by a doctor, and you sign a waiver. Those, those are my three requirements that I, would, that I personally would say. That way it doesn't come back on the doctor later because we don't really know what's going on. We don't know if this works. It's just shown, really, it is just showing anecdotal evidence. But we don't have proof until the anecdotal stuff becomes studied. Yeah. Well, we're nearing our last minute and a half. So I'm going to turn it over to Justin so that we can all say goodbye. Thanks for joining. So I get, we were going to open up the second part of the show today to – um, take calls and just talk about this outbreak in general um, and how it's affecting us on personal levels and things like that. Uh, of course, this this show that we've been doing today has all been about the the, the video um, that 26 minute video from the from that uh, what the hell is it called? Plant yeah, pandemic the which is I'm a few hours long, the whole thing, but uh, we ran out of time, of course, uh, but, you know, just leave you with this. There's a lot of information out there surrounding this outbreak and all the things that go along with it from one extreme all the way to the other and back again, and we got in place, in place we have ex, quote-unquote experts debunking other quote-unquote experts and news groups and companies looking to play gotcha and jockeying to grab our attention with sometimes you know, bizarre and outlandish nonsense uh, versus the killer bees or the murder hornets or the squirrel spiders or whatever is next. I don't know. Um, maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a, a tropical storm that's going to start the Sharknado. I don't know. But uh, we appreciate you guys joining us today. Um, of course, you can always catch us at the Facebook page. Uh, just type in Night Awakening over on Facebook. We don't do a lot of Twitter stuff. We don't do a lot of Instagram stuff. Uh, we do have a YouTube page. Type in KOA Publishing over at uh, YouTube, and you'll find all the videos we do. And uh, thanks, Charles and Allie. Appreciate you guys uh, being on here with us today. <laughs> Allie, you did yeah, a great job. Right. Allie did a good job. It's been uh, yes. Yeah, everyone, I don't wear a mask for me. I wear it for those I care about to keep them safe. There you go. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again. And until next time, awaken the night awaken within. Awaken the night within. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.